before your throne and to receive understanding Lord how to live our lives before you how to use our faith Father that is given to us as a gift from you we just want to encourage our faith today Father to trust you and believe you more we thank you for the opportunity to hear more of your word in Jesus name Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So we were talking about trust, the ultimate in grace, and, and we <clears throat> need to understand that God is uh, constantly working with us in relationship with Him, that we would give over more trust to Him. It's not about Him struggling with us, and it's not about Him taking from us, but He wants to give to us more of Himself, and so part of that is that we have to um, make sure that our trust and our faith line up in approval God approves of the way that we trust him and this is very very important we see in the Bible that the Bible says that those who are faith are blessed with faithful Abraham that we have inherited the faith of Abraham and this is something that uh, we need to understand that God has a picture uh, a bigger picture in mind at all times whenever he deals with us Um, uh, you have to keep in mind that these are our kingdom and um, family issues that God is dealing with when he deals with any member of his family any of the children of God that are in this earth have the potential to be used by God for greater things and sometimes we don't understand the greater while we're walking in it and many times that's not our concern what our concern is though is that we we obey God at each turn and we show our faith to God and that in our hearts we really trust God and we're not trying to shrink back from him or withhold anything from him because of lack of trust I think that's one of the things that uh, offends God when we shrink back the Bible says uh, my soul has no delight in the person that sets his hand to the plow and then looks back so God really understands only commitment because he's given us everything we need to make commitment to him there's no reason why we can't commit to God there's no reason why we can't trust him if we lack trust we can always seek him for greater understanding reassurance confidence in him we can go back into the word we can gain trust in a greater way all of these things are open and available to us so he's able to help our unbelief he's able to help our weaknesses in this way but he really wants a people who will trust him because he has a big picture in mind with Abraham he had in mind the savior of the world and and he see what God has to do is to get his faith and his word and confidence into the earth this is the big quest that God has to get these things back into the earth once they're in the earth they are the possession of earth if the faith is just in heaven or the gifts are still in heaven earth can't benefit from them and so the great prayer was let it be on earth as it is in heaven so God has been constantly pulling down from heaven onto earth the things that are fit for his people if you were a a wealthy individual and one of your children was off on an island somewhere starving to death you would move heaven and earth to get that kid some provision because it belongs to your kid and so this is what God has done with the human race he's moved heaven and earth to get the provision of heaven down here for uh, for us he is not that concerned with earth's resources because his resources so uh, overshadow shadow and supersede that which is native to earth so he's trying to get it into earth and so we see that with Abraham he's trying to get his faith into earth through somebody who will obey him and he's doing it over and over again we see the first one that was Noah he condemned the world the Bible says with his faith he believed God 
And he was able to save himself and his whole household by the which he condemned the rest of the world because they would not believe. So there is a place where unbelief has to be dealt with and removed and only faith remains so that faith can have a chance to grow. When you and I got saved we lost most of our friends. You can't even figure out what happened to a lot of those people. huh? Well we went into the witness protection program. We had to go into a place of hiding from all of that. So that we could grow some and flourish in God. It's the same thing when you plant a plant. You, you get it into a soil that's sturdy and, and where enough nourishment can get in. So that that plant can have an opportunity for life and so we're the same things we're the plantings of the Lord and we are treated in in a very tender fashion when we first come into the things of God and then we can withstand some of the elements of earth you know some of the difficulties that come against us you know and be trees planted by rivers of living water you know so that we can flourish and we can withstand a little bit of of difficulty and and, and, and test our grounding in God test our commitment to God test our trust in God are we stable in God or will we be blown about by every wind and wave of doctrine and so when the testing comes we have to be sure that we are able to stand and we are stable in God and that's really what he wants. And that's what he wanted through Abraham. We see some some testings that come Abraham's way. You know, he's not just, you know, signing up for a difficult time or signing up for trouble. But life hands it to him, doesn't it? He gets involved in a famine and he goes down to Egypt and, and there a test comes. You know, it's is is he gonna take God down to Egypt with him? Is he gonna remember God when he gets down there? Or is he gonna forget God? And so many times we get involved in situations where we're just trying to do the best we can, we think, and we don't really have sure foot in God and, and that's what happened to him he got down there but God came in and intervened anyway God can intervene sovereignly in our lives God can raise up intercessors to pray for us so that we can be removed from situations difficult situations can come to an end for us because God has moved sovereignly to help us out of these situations so we see where uh, Sarah was about to conceive an Egyptian child God had reserved her seed for him he he had reserved righteous seed for Abraham and Sarah this was to be the family through which the whole earth would be blessed and that's what God had that was God's vision for them that was all that God was investing himself in and God is determined to have these things when he gets a vision for each and every life think about it he has a vision for your life my life everybody's life down here on earth he has a plan a vision he has a perfect life for us but we have to make sure that we come into the knowledge of him and obedience to him so that this can be walked out many times we look at what's wrong in our lives and what goes wrong and and we are so focused on that we don't see the bigger picture but you can see in Abraham's life there were some things that God could not accept as as part of his inheritance because God didn't plant them there in his life things that God doesn't plant he does not have to nurture he doesn't have to care for and he doesn't have to honor them and so you'll see that in the life of Abraham so Abraham received deliverance from God from Egypt from the difficulties of Egypt and he received grace because he used his faith in God once he got rescued from there he again picked up where he left off with God you know, and that's all God expects out of any of us is that when we stray, we repent, we get back in the flow of things with God and we pick up from where we left off. So we see that in, in uh, chapter, I think this was chapter 12 or 13 where he went down to uh, Egypt and he came back up. He was a very rich man. 
God then began to prosper him uh, as a, a soldier. He was able to defend his own property, all those kinds of things, uh, with divine protection from God and divine favor from God. Uh, at every juncture where he could, Abraham built an altar to God so that he could worship him and that's the first line of obedience to to God that's the first line of devotion for all people is to uh, be a worshiper of God put him first in all things allow him to to have the preeminence in all your ways acknowledge him so you can get direction from him that's what being God to people really means to follow him you know there's so many things in our Christian tradition that we we don't follow God we get an idea and we want God to bless it and we want him to sanction it we want him but it, it gets very little support from him in the initial stages sometimes I think if God can't trust you uh, to honor him with your finances he's not going to make you very rich it's just not going to happen and so if if he can trust you with finances then he will begin to establish a prosperity in you that is kind of like unstoppable he'll just begin to flow more into your hands he'll begin to direct more toward you and you direct it for him and that's how that relationship goes I don't understand these people who just want to be rich and they're not doing anything for God or not much for God it, it doesn't make sense to me um, that's what heathens do and you know we have to watch ourselves with some of these attitudes that we're not picking up on uh, the world's attitude about the things that we're expecting God to have uh, for God to bring to us and and this is something that God had to correct Abraham with in the birth of Ishmael and so we see that in Genesis chapter 16 and and Abraham has been talking to God about when he's going to have a son and, and all of those things and uh, so Abraham and Sarah hatch this idea that perhaps since Sarah has been barren for so long mm-hmm. now long to us is oftentimes not long to God in fact God doesn't look at uh, earth time or chronological time in most of these things because he's in charge of time and purpose and faith and so faith can overcome time See, there's time I mean faith can faith is now and so faith can move at any time and it kind of brings a correction of time with it to be honest with you um, you know people say things like uh, gee I wish I had been saved when I was younger well think of what you were doing when you were younger you weren't thinking about God so uh, apparently time doesn't mean anything to God because he would have wanted you to be saved earlier too but he says he can restore years that have been stolen from us you see and so once you come into faith and come into knowledge your focus should be on picking up in that knowledge and using that knowledge from this point on so that you don't make that mistake again with your time I think most of us don't use our time as wisely as we could. We're all guilty of a little bit of that. But praise God, we we got God now. You know, <laughs> we have God on our minds. If you, I mean, even if you're not doing much physically with your faith, you can have at least have God in your heart and God on your mind, and that keeps you from wasting the time that you would waste without God. And so Abraham decides, he and Sarah decide that he should have a child with her maid which again connects the God's line or God's heirs with Egypt and this is what God doesn't want see if we could find out what thing that we're connected with connected up inside of us that keeps pulling us away from the the will of God for us and snap that we could be so much farther ahead of things you know we find out eventually oh you know I, I thought this was okay with God and I see that it isn't you got me and so when we start doing those things that we know please him then then we can get it right and, and we can go forward in him but this was not God's will to connect Egypt 
with his people. The, the heir and the bondwoman cannot uh, inherit together. God wants a holy people, a separated people, a called out people. God will not honor man's vision. God only honors his vision. Now there are times when our vision converges with God. But God has to be the author of these things or they won't stand. It's not like God's waiting for us to get bright ideas for him to co-sign. It doesn't work that way. God begins to uh, give us the vision. You see what he did with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were barren people. Uh, He was uh, worshiping a pagan god. And God appeared to him and started offering him a better life. So God brought the offer with him. He didn't bring Abraham and then Abraham decided what he wanted and asked God for it. And this is where Christians really make their big mistake. They they assume too much. Assume too many things are okay with God. Or assume it's God's time for them to have certain things in there. All this kind of stuff. These assumptions. And then we get frustrated because we can't make God give it to us. See? And so Abram went ahead and made his mistake. He got frustrated waiting on God and waiting for, for this big something to happen, waiting for an heir, and he got nervous and thought time was going to pass him by. It's amazing how people will let this thing rob them of God's best. When time gets to be your enemy, you really need to check in with God. You've stepped out of faith and you've stepped out of confidence and you've stepped out of trusting him. And so when when that start thing starts to to nag at you and and beat you over the head and all this kind of stuff, you just got to go to God and get that corrected and say, "God, here I am again getting anxious about things." Your word says to be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer supplication with thanksgiving make our requests known to you and I request to be of sound mind again because I was doing just fine believing you for something and now I got agitated about it see the enemy moves us uh, with this time factor thing and so here Abram's Deciding now that he's going to have this this child with with the bond woman, this Egyptian that they've hired in their household as a maid, and that's fine with God. You know, there's nothing against he had nothing against them. But when the maid moves over into producing heirs for the family, then she's gone too far. And so God wants a holy people, a separated people, a called out people, and He's determined to have that. So. In in uh, Genesis chapter 16, we said Egypt and Israel mixed together is something God did not want. He wanted a holy, separated out people. This is a false inheritance. And God will nullify every false inheritance in our lives. He will nullify it. Sometimes we wonder why we have these struggles. And we have struggles with trying to get something in our lives that God does not want to permit. And maybe not now. Now who would think it wasn't time for Abraham and Sarah to have children. It was actually past time as far as everybody with a brain was concerned. But God doesn't have a human brain. He has his brain. And so God knew that he could correct anything that was brought into their lives. Since he was in covenant with them he could correct it. Got me? So any promise God makes to you after you know God is a a promise you can stand on. You can't just drag stuff over in there from before and think he's going to honor it. This is where people kind of make their mistakes is, you know, all these little childhood fantasies that we've had. And and the Bible says that when you become an adult or become a man, you put away what? Childish things. And so when we come into maturity in God, we have to put away childish things. No, I never would have thought I would be a minister that was the farthest thing from my mind growing up that's you couldn't you couldn't even get me to think about that as a lifestyle you know or anything like that it's just not not there and so i had to put away childish things what were the childish things anything that didn't fit in with what god's plan was for my life 
And people say to me things like, boy, you wasted all that time going to school and getting degrees. You don't even use them. I said, that's never wasted. You go, you get an education for the sake of an education because you, you want to learn. If you're smart, you go because you want to learn. You don't go because you can just get a piece of paper and do a job. That would make education kind of torture, wouldn't it? Well, anyway, you got me? Does, does that make sense? You know, you, you can enjoy these things. You're supposed to enjoy learning. If you're submerging all your time and energy in that, and once you, once you know something, that can't be taken away from you. So, I mean, you haven't wasted anything. You know, come on now. And so, <clears throat> And those are always the people that don't have education, that don't, you know, they wouldn't spend their time doing it, so they've got these weird ideas about it. But everything that, that you have in God, once you come to Him, repentance takes all of that out of your vision. And only what God has for you is brought back into your vision. All that stuff has to be purified. What do you think the altar is for? It's to purify thoughts ideas plans all of that stuff has to pass through the fire of God's altar and whatever remains is what he is sanctioning for your life or what he has planned for your life be careful not to get get things out of divine order sometimes we're anxious for things we want it to happen soon I don't know of a person yet who isn't Letting uh, time in some way rob them of current peace. You could be so peaceful if you didn't let this time thing keep bugging you. But bug us it does. And so we'll see how God handles Abraham's time frustration. So he has Ishmael. And so years later in verse 17... When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. In other words, you're mature now, I want you to be mature now, I want you to be a man now. Now Abraham thought he was ready for this 12 years ago. He thought he was ready to be the father of a child 12 years ago. Well, 12 years ago, he was in his 80s. He was not ready as far as God was concerned. I don't care what your age is and what biological clocks say and what all this stuff says. If God says you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet. You're not ready for his vision for you. You may be ready as far as earth standards are concerned. And what the world thinks you ought to be doing. And all this kind of stuff. That's why it's so good to stay with God and stay away from people in the world. They do more and carnal people. They're Christians who are carnal. Who will put carnal ideas into your head. Bless you. And so it's it's a good thing to keep yourself pure from the world and unspotted from the world this is what God's been trying to do with Abraham ever since they met is get him away from carnality get him away from false inheritance get him away from the the earth's uh, ideas of what he ought to be doing with his life he wants somebody that he can work through to bring his covenant into the earth what about God's covenant And so when God finds us, he wants to work with us so that his will can be worked into the earth. And so part of that is that we have to let go of everything that he does not put into our hands. This is hard for Christians. It's hard. Because you you come to God and you think, well, God, certainly he wants me to have this. Well, certainly he wants me to have that. Certainly he wants me to. Well, you can't do certainties in God. You've got to do God only. And so what what he has for you, you will know because you have great peace about it. You have a sense of, of God's approval on it. You have a sense of God's sanction. And so until you can get his approval and sanction, don't get involved in anything. I think one thing everybody can do is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach it as best you know. You got me? Pray for people. 
always pray for people. I, I, God taught me that when I was a, a new believer and I carried it over into ministry. If I talk to somebody on the phone, uh, you know, especially if it's somebody I don't know from church or, or, you know, from the ministry or something like that, I don't hang up until I've had a chance to pray with them. You got me? Because that's, that's something that God would want that contact to be fruitful you know that contact can always be fruitful if we'll do those things and so that's one way for me to stay connected to God's will and purpose for me down here in the earth that's an assurance that I have that his will and purpose is carried out in everything so we have these situations then where we desire things that that God doesn't desire for us and unfortunately we get them into our lives first many times and then we want them out before we can understand that God didn't put them there and so with with uh, Ishmael the prophecy of, over his life is in Genesis 16 verse 12 he says <clears throat> He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. And so we know that the descendants of uh, Ishmael are now what we know to be the Arab or Muslim nations. And their quest through their religion is to uh, bring uh, an end to all what they call infidels and that are people that don't believe what they believe and so that is what has called caused a lot of the terrorism on the earth uh, while meaning they cannot be tamed by a government they cannot be tamed the only thing that can can change them is coming into covenant with God that's the great peace of every individual that's ever against anybody but in the natural they cause great trouble for all nations of people where they dwell and that's always been their history and it will continue to be so uh, the, the, the Ishmael is not compatible then with Isaac God doesn't want wild things. He wants covenant children. You got me? He does not want anybody that won't live peaceably and be governed by his rules and his laws. So he wants covenant people and not wild people. And so in chapter 17, Abraham's 99 and God says, walk before me and be perfect. In other words, grow up and be mature. 100 years old. Many times we think we're a lot more mature in God than we are. And then we're more mature in some ways than we give ourselves credit for. Because we don't see where God's working in certain things. And then all of a sudden he'll use us to do something that we've never done before. And we think well where did that come from? So only God knows our capabilities. That's why it's so important just to let him lead. You know, don't get any bright ideas, just let him lead. And he says, "Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly." So, he's already got a covenant with Abraham, but it's been broken through his relationship with Ishmael. So God says, I'm going to make it anew. Got me? Whenever covenant is broken, it has to be made anew. Verse 3, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Still, you're going to be my father of many nations, not the one you think. And he says, neither shall your name any more be called... Abram but it shall be Abraham for father of many nations I have made you so this step of God changing his name and bringing him closer to him to walk perfectly before God represents the the crowning of the vision that God has had for him all this time many times we don't see the greatest of what God has for us until we've walked with God for a great 
number of years and that's just true it's biblically true it's true as far as natural things are concerned that's why he says your latter years will be greater than your former years former years are a lot of youthfulness a lot of playing around a lot of mistakes a lot of start and stop and all this kind of stuff and at some point you get enough of God in you and enough of the world out of your system that you settle in and you finally begin to understand what he's really called you to do and you stay with that you stay focused on it and you don't let anybody deter you with it from it so that's what he means here and he says I'll change your name I'll make you exceedingly fruitful I'll make nations of you and kings shall come out of you and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant so what God has in mind is eternal what we have in mind is temporal or temporary see what our flesh has in mind is something that will make us look good to ourselves make us feel like we're just like everybody else make us feel like we're not you know odd or missing anything or lacking in anything see all those bad motives will come in because we'll we'll see ourselves now as somebody oh God's promised me this oh God's going to do this for me I can finally you know (laughs) do this that and the other and it's not that way with God he's not concerned about you keeping up with the Joneses or what your neighbors have what their neighbors have they don't want most of the time anyway they just front you know before you trying to make you think it's all cool so he says put away that stuff walk before me and be mature now stop looking at what everybody thinks about you and stop looking at you know we got this baby now and and now we got heirs and the sweats off of us and so God said to Abraham in verse 9 you shall keep my covenant before he said you shall keep it you shall keep it you shall keep it so this is a different level of grace there's a different level of expectation here there's a higher level of performance on Abram's side and God says the symbol for this will be the circumcision that I'm going to have you cut the flesh of your foreskin symbolizing the life of flesh that you've been living is done away with now the childish things are gone you got to get maturity in you Abram you can't just keep living like this I expect you to live for me no matter what the cost period and so there comes a place in everybody's life in God where the childish things must be put away they've got to go the way of whatever and and you tough it out no matter what it means you tough it out it's just you and God now and he's the one you please you're not thinking about how much time has gone by and you're not thinking about loneliness and you're not thinking about you know what you're missing and all this kind of nonsense you know when your mind wanders what would I be doing if I weren't doing this you'd be on your way to hell for sure Huh? That's one thing I can guarantee. Anybody who's not serving God, you'd definitely be on your way to hell. And so we have to learn how to hold on no matter what the cost, no matter what it seems that God is doing, because it doesn't always and not always what it appears to be. You know, sometimes people will come to you and I don't know how you do that. Just tell that devil to go somewhere. Because it's not somebody else's business to evaluate your relationship with God. That's that's not for them to judge. You know. Try to you know make you feel like you're such a super saint because of what you go through that that's not that's not coming from God huh? these are normal expectations of covenant people they're not extraordinary whatever God has put before you he'll grace you to be able to handle that and to do it without complaining and whining and smelling like smoke when you come through and telling everybody how hard a life you have and all that kind of stuff he'll he'll take care of that for you so we have to learn that that this is what he means when he says walk before me 
and you be perfect now you keep covenant with me this is something I want you to do and he says I will give verse 8 I will give you and to your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I'll be their God so there's more on the table now God's talking here about everlasting possession generations of inheritance he's talking about setting him and his seed up for many generations he said this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you every man child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you in other words I have the lusts of your flesh taken care of. This is what you give up. You can't pursue life as you've been pursuing it. You can't go after selfish things. You can't go after childish. You can't do it. Hmm? And taking that flesh away, that symbolic circumcision, is a symbol of what's what it's going to take to fulfill this covenant. So you're going to have to walk before me as a mature man, as a perfect man, and forget, put away childish things. Put away the things that your flesh craves. Just make it stop. You have to find a way in God for these things to stop. He said he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house. So he says you're going to be able now to evangelize. See when you have servants in your household they come under the covenant too. They're going to have to live and walk perfectly before me just like you do. He says any anyone that's bought with money of a stranger which is not of your seed so all of these people he said everybody born in your house and he that is bought with any money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant so what God did symbolically through that cutting of the flesh was enough for them to have an everlasting inheritance it's the same thing with us what we let our flesh die to by living in the spirit ensures our eternal inheritance with God it's nothing else but that you can't flesh and blood cannot inherit with the you know the together you have to choose one or the other and so God said and in choosing uh, the spiritual side or in choosing the right side and circumcising your, you ensure that this will come upon us that's how we got it we got it by Abraham keeping this law if he hadn't kept it we wouldn't get it Jesus would not have come through that seed and so this is very important for us to understand and God's grace enables us to walk the life of the spirit and therefore mortify the deeds of the flesh just by walking out the spirit so it's not like you're just sitting here beating yourself up and kicking yourself every five minutes even though people do that I mean if that's your way of doing things help yourself but it doesn't help anything what helps is for you to live the life of the spirit get up and do what God told you to do you know and quit saying you can't and quit saying you don't want to and quit making excuses and saying church people don't do this and you know there's too much of this in the church and too much of that in the church and that's why you don't do anything cut it out be perfect be mature put away childish things put away the chatter and the clatter and God then will be able to bring eternal things into your life that is so much better they're so much better Abram not only lived a blessed life God made his name great he gave him seed that that are in abundance even now on the earth I mean it's been an everlasting covenant and then the seed that his natural seed are still in abundance in the earth but then there's seed spiritual seed that are even in more abundance 
You got me? Those natural will have to come into covenant, into the new covenant, in order to get eternal life. Because that's canceled out. But you can see evidence of the natural seed surviving. Like no other people have. There's so many cultures that have been extinct since the world began. You know, you'll see ruins where and nobody is left of that culture. You don't have much evidence of it. But somehow God's seed has left, lasted on this earth since their conception. And it's amazing that he's able to keep covenant like that. But he is. And so Abraham, God speaks to Abraham then about the circumcision. He says the uncircumcised man, verse 14, the man-child whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. So the broken covenant comes by yielding to the flesh instead of the spirit. If you break covenant with God, it's because you're walking in the flesh and not walking after the spirit. But that covenant's renewed when you repent and get back over in the spirit. How many times have we got upset with somebody and went off and your mind's fuming and you you made plans to go do something stupid and called up 15 people and tell them how mad you are. And then after you settle down and get in your normal spiritual brain you say oh yeah sorry God let me get back over here and do the right thing now. Hmm? It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. So much easy. So easy to walk in the spirit. Because you can see where you can avoid the lusts of the flesh. Where people mess up as they get stuck over there. Somehow they get stuck over in the realm of the flesh. Either by making excuses for it. Trying to pretend like it's not as bad as it is. Just bring it on out there. Bring the dirty laundry out and let's get it washed. And let's put on clean robes and go on with God. And so he says here the soul that is not circumcised will be cut off. So you want to stay in the circumcision of Christ under the blood of Jesus. So that you can walk perfectly before God and you can accomplish things in God. And he said as for Sarah your wife... You shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son also of her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So Abram fell on his face and laughed and said, In his heart shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old. Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Hmm? Oh that Ishmael might live before thee. Now this is. Have you ever have God tell you something that he's going to do. And you know it's going to take sacrifice. It's prayer. Or you think you're not sure what it's going to take. But it seems to overwhelm you with the responsibility. Or. You know, I've seen this happen with people that, you know, that sometimes would come into the ministry. They would start to realize that uh, divorcing a spouse after you're saved is sin. You know, it's not right before God. He hates divorce. He hates putting away. Then they start to think about what it's going to take to get back to where they came from. Oh, that Ishmael might live. (laughs) This thing that I've created. Can we make it okay, God? Can we say it's okay, God? Can I just not have to bear the responsibility that this thing is not right? That's conviction. See, a conviction of sin where you know that something that you've been planning and that you've been trying to get to happen and you start to understand it wasn't God's will for you. That's, that's all that is. And so that has to come clear. And so that's Abram's flesh crying out that it can live a little bit longer. I don't want to have to face what am I going to do with this boy. This has been my boy. I've been telling everybody this is my kid and he's been in line for inheritance and I've got all this stuff planned and all this stuff going on with him in mind. How am I going to take him out of my mind now? What God asks us to do he graces us to do. There is power for Abraham to do what God requires here. He just haven't walked into it yet. See anything that that God requires of us. He gives us the power to accomplish it. And not feel bad about it. 
Now you can feel bad some, but after a while he's able to heal that bad feeling even though he was the one that told you had to do it. So there's nothing that God can't make right in your life that he requires for you to do. I don't understand people that know what God wants them to do. They're reluctant to do it. Know they got to do it. And they think they're being robbed because they have to obey God. You know, it's just something's not right in the brain somewhere. After all the goodness of God that most of us have experienced, you know, for no reason he pays your bills for no reason he sends you money when you pray for no reason he just you know does what you ask him to do and you expect him to do these things and all of that and then all of a sudden he requires something and it's wrong you see and so you've got to get your mind flipped over to where you understand that when God requires something it's not wrong it's not too much and he'll grace you to be able to do it you just have to to look for that you have to expect it you have to expect that he'll come and help you say i can't do it god i can't get up like i said i was going to do and pray and all this kind of stuff extra time and all of that you have to expect that he'll help you to do those things he'll empower you to do it so abraham's 99 and sarah's 90 and he wants ishmael to be able to be the heir after all just because it just seems too hard for him that this thing can happen it seems impossible so many things that we know in our lives if we could get them in our lives it would make our lives right but they seem impossible for us to do everybody's got something like that if you've never had it you will have it if you you don't have it expect you're going to have it it just seems like you can't do it for anything but at some point you'll see that you'll be able to walk in that place where you'll be able to to do the thing that seems so hard for you to do and God says that Sarah your wife will indeed bear a son he corrects him no you didn't hear me wrong it's going to be you and her and you'll call his name Isaac I even have a name for him and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him this is something that that, uh, works as far as faith is concerned that somehow uh, the naming of a child puts, puts an identity and a different level of expectation on that child to be born and to come through I've seen it work for believers and non-believers and people who are trying to believe Uh, you know after many miscarriages sometimes people will get a hope in them and they'll say well let's give the baby a name just all of a sudden it'll come to them to do that it's the same thing here even in the midst of Abraham's unbelief, disbelief, laughter, and all that kind of stuff, and thinking that God will never do it, I want to. But when he was given a name, so an identity is put on this child. Then a different level of faith comes up, a different level of hope comes up, and a different level of expectation. Whenever there's an identity, there's a name, there's a, a form or a shape or something. How something for some reason this thing seems to take on life now because there's a specific identity given to it and so Isaac will come and he will be born because God has has given him a name and that name is going to so whenever they think about their child now they think Isaac is coming or Isaac is going to be born all that kind of stuff so he says as for Ishmael I've heard your prayer for him I'm going to make him fruitful multiply him exceedingly etc etc so here we have a mirror in the natural of what God had for Abraham in the spirit let's see so he's able to take care of Ishmael anything God asks you to let go of for for the sake of his covenant you're keeping covenant with him he will take care of it for you it won't be rejected it won't be discarded it won't be you know you understand what I'm saying he does uh, make good on his word you you still have a covenant with him and God keeps that covenant so that so it's not it doesn't end up badly God will never have a bad reputation after him but there will be a difference 
You got me? There's a difference. One's eternal. The other one's temporal. One's born for trouble. The other one's born for peace. Got me? And so these two kingdoms, because they're so different, the kingdoms that they're born out of, uh, because they clash, but the kingdom, the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ being more powerful, being eternal, being of love and goodness and, and goodness and light will overcome the darkness of Ishmael's seed and those seed will be able to come into that covenant. You got me? And so it's a better covenant because it's able to absorb and, and forgive evil and forgive sin and bring righteousness so that they can come in as well. And so God allows them to be able to survive as a people on this earth and to live well. Everybody was shocked all the oil that was still over in these Arab countries and how well they're able to live over there because of these resources. And so God does make good on that. He's the God of all flesh. And he makes good because Abram's seed, the one seed is able to live well because Abram's very rich. Well he's able to mirror that with the seed that's not to the eternal heir. And so the earthly is, that's why earthly things aren't that important to God. But he doesn't want us to have our heart and our affection set on him. You see how he disconnects Abram from that earthly affection uh, and that carnal affection for that thing. But he doesn't begrudge him anything that the earth has to offer because he knows his heart's not tied up in it. So it makes a big difference to God. He knows where your heart is. You can't fool him. You can't say, well, God, I'm not interested in that. And then you go after it all the time. You've got to make sure that when you say you're not interested, you're not interested. And so God's able to do so much more with Abram once he frees him up from this. So much more. And so Abram was 99 when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So he's finally laying down the life of the flesh and picking up the life of the spirit in God. So this is his freedom right here. Ishmael's son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. The same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. All the men of the house. So he obeyed God to the letter. He didn't leave anything out. So much more obedient (laughs) sometimes than we are. And we have all this ability in us to obey God. But we'll leave some stuff off. You know, it's always the excuse, well, you know, I wasn't able to do that or that didn't seem important. God understands. What would what would we think one day if we stand before God and find out all those little things that we thought were important to do were the thing that God was looking for to seal the deal for us in so many areas of our life. But they are important and, and God wants it done to the letter. When he gives you something, he wants you to do a complete job of it. So... So there we have Abraham and and then uh, uh, Isaac is on his way. Uh, God begins to elevate Abraham and Sarah. Uh, to the point where they are important people now. You know, everybody kind of knows them. They stand out. God promised that he would make his name great. And that name has been handed down for so many generations because he's in the Bible. And so God has kept his promise to him to make his name great. Eternally great is, is the name of Abraham. And all the deeds that they do are, are none, done known throughout eternity. So why don't we stop now. We can uh, pick up. Uh, the rest of this because we have yet to go through the trust a greater trust factor that God brings Abram into and that is the sacrifice of his promised son and and what that means as far as his covenant is concerned his standing in God and uh, the history of God's people amen father in heaven we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand with great understanding your covenant of peace your covenant of love and how we are able to obey your covenant and we thank you for it Lord we bless you we praise you we honor you and we love you Father in Jesus name Amen praise God Amen 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 anybody needs prayer come on